Hey, it's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it is good to be back. I am almost over my jet lag. <laughs> so, How many days has it been? I've only been back for about three days. So I'm, I'm actually, You're doing well. Then. I'm actually in, in, in pretty good shape. Yeah. Waking up a little bit earlier than I would rather. Um, but considering it was eight, eight time zones shifted over being in Croatia all of last week. Um, not too bad, all things considered. Uh, I just find that the guideline about allowing for a day per hour of time zone difference is pretty accurate for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough so on a trip like that, that it's, it's a good week, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I find the hardest part right now is staying up past... <laughs> <laughs> past 8 p.m you know it's just like yeah really yeah, getting yeah. tired because your brain thinks it's like two in the morning or four in the morning or whatever it is yeah but not not too bad and it was a fun trip um and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that yeah right? um but and then today, a few other things yeah we're going to got a grab bag potpourri edition of our podcast this week mostly because we didn't have a, a ton of time to prepare new topics I wouldn't phrase it that way, but it's we're going to talk a little bit about the the new Tamron 70 to 300 that came out in a Nikon Z mount. It's been out in a Sony mount for a little bit, and we'll yeah, talk about your Croatia trip. We'll talk a little bit about the iPhone announcements. There's some interesting things that we're not going to buy. I'll just jump ahead, but they look cool, look nice. And then we're going to answer sort of a listener um, question that actually came out of a... Um, someone that's attending a workshop that we have in Santa Fe and Taos, but it was a good one. Good question. And um, it's one that unless you go through the math is not really obvious. So it has to do with neutral density filters mm -hmm. and, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Long exposure stuff. You so, want to talk about your trip first? Oh, it was great. Um, you know, Croatia is wonderful. It was much warmer than when we went in October last year, mm -hmm. um, like hot. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot wearing a photo vest just created too many issues i ended up ditching that just using my shoulder bag um just because you get you get really hot and sweaty walking around but uh no it worked great i ended up bringing the uh z9 i wasn't sure what i wanted to do um but i really liked having the the shooting with a camera that has the built-in gps for trips like this that was fantastic because I didn't have to always remember to turn on my phone or link, you know, apps or, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I couldn't do that. It's just, it's so much nicer to have it on the camera built in. Uh, I never forgot to, to GPS tag things. So that was helpful. Um, and I used the new 24 to 120 F4 Z lens, which I got earlier this year. And whereas last year when we went, we were shooting with the 24 to 200 Z lens. Mm -hmm. I'll just say, despite the fact that it's a little bigger, it's a little heavier, it's a wonderful lens. It's just the ideal range for, you know, 95% of my shooting was with that lens um, with, with it because it just, it just delivers and it's, and it's certainly sharper and better corrected at the wide end than the, than the other one. Um, not like the other one's bad, but this one is no. mostly better. It's just, it's just one of those things. Where it's it's an excellent lens. There's no doubt about that. Um, some not you know easy to use um and i was able to fit it into one of my think tank uh, uh shoulder bags retrospective something or other i can't remember which which model it was but that was nice um, and then i also brought my z6 which was infrared and 
I chose to do that because going back to some of the same places, I thought I would like a different uh, creative outlet for mm -hmm. photographing things, the same type of stuff again this time. I'll, I will say, you know, going to Croatia twice in, in le less than a year's time, um, you know, most of the stuff I'd already seen. We got to some different, a few different plot, uh, a few different stops this time. We were able to get into to some spots that we couldn't get to due to some weather, uh, sea conditions um, on our original itinerary. But in general, you know, it was the same kinds of stuff. So lots of street photography, lots of handheld doors and windows. You know, the the usual suspects uh, for that kind of photography. But the infrared was great because it allowed me to capture some shots, uh, especially making them monochrome. I really like got these dramatic images of the, you know, the Venetian towers and the ruins at uh, Diocletian's palace of the Roman mm -hmm. columns and stuff. So it was just nice to literally have those in a in a different way, presented in a different a different uh, a different light, so to speak, literally. So did you carry both around with you, or did you just decide I'm going to do infrared today or on a certain shoot and just there... take that? There were a few times where I brought both and it usually was because for reasons um, where I couldn't easily get back on the ship, on the mm -hmm. yacht. I, so, and it was, you know, the Z6 um, and I used that little 40 millimeter F2. Mm -hmm. Which is a I, great little lens. And I also used the 14 to 30 F4, which is also very small other than mm -hmm. its sort of gigantic 82 millimeter filter size. So it was able to just be in the bag and the Z9 was around my neck most of the time. But there were a few times where I just took, I just said, yeah, I'm going to go with the infrared today. Yeah. Um, I did that mostly in split where I had some free time on my own outside of the clients who I, I went with. Um, I, I gave a little photography workshop on board to some of the, some of the people who are on this trip, which was a charter. So mm -hmm. most of the people were there for vacation purposes. And then I had a little photo workshop on the side, which was fun. Mm -hmm. and 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 good and learned a lot of things and i have some ideas for things to teach in the future because there's still a lot of stuff that people aren't even aware about in terms of what their software can do um, much less often surprising yeah so but that was great and like i said that 24 to 120 i didn't miss the 200 millimeter end i didn't find myself missing it i mm -hmm. did enjoy having the constant f4 aperture um that was great um not a deal breaker but it was great so yeah. I think that's cool. the thing. And I ate a lot of gelato. So now I got to go and exercise again. <laughs> how, how about black risotto? I did have that my last night. Good. I went to a restaurant. And specifically I love that ordered. stuff. It was great. Yeah. And it didn't have a weird taste to it. It just is black. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Well, it's made with cuttlefish ink yeah. typically in that area. It sounds gross, but it doesn't. It's, taste, it, it tastes benign. great. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a big deal. No, mine had mussels and shrimp in it and it was really yummy. Mm -hmm. Good like, stuff. As usual with these sorts of small ship, uh, you know, you know, this was a 30 passenger type of yacht type thing. Um, you can get really great food because it's a smaller, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, every, they cook for you every day. They made their own bread on board. Boy, that was good bread. Yeah. Croatian olive oil. I brought some home this time. Mm -hmm. Bottles of croatian local olive oil they don't really export their olive oil they don't make enough of it to do that um, but my goodness is it tastes good it's really good yeah yeah do some sops with your bread but 
not really a photography thing, but man, it was good eating. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, we did similar thing with good stuff from Portugal, which also wasn't really exported. Yeah. It's tasted pretty, great. Pretty great when you get those kinds of things. So, um, what, so, so yeah, I'm back from that. And, and like I said, it was, it was fun and I, I'm still sifting through my images to find some stuff to, to post, but I've thrown some infrared ones out there already, um, out on my Facebook page, but, uh, let's talk about these, uh, new announcements that just came out. Um, the first one was the announcement, which had been in rumor for quite some time, uh, of a, uh, a Tamron 70 to 300 in native Z mount. Um, so this is a lens, uh, focal length range that is woefully missing in the native seaside right now. So I think that's a, a good Biz- thing. Bizarrely missing. You know, there's a couple that I would, I would argue that they should probably add in, but whatever. Um, and we can talk about the lens and we can talk about what are, this is all based on just reading um, reviews of the same lens design for other mounts and pros and cons, but uh, it, it is, it is an important announcement in my opinion, because it signals the fact that Nikon has opened up their mount design to at least one third party lens manufacturer. And that's a good thing. It is because, um, both Nikon and Canon, in my opinion, have kind of hurt themselves up to this point by not having those third party lenses available. You know, Sony owners, have just vastly more lenses to choose from and and some interesting and unique ones too. And that that is a huge virtue. So I'm pleased to see this happening. It's good that it's in that 70 to 300 category, which like you said, is just a bizarre hole because it's really nice to have something affordable that mm-hmm. isn't a 70 to 200 2.8 beast, which is a fantastic lens that Nikon makes, but it's not something that you want to yeah. carry around with you everywhere. It's overkill for a lot of things. Right. And, you know, you pair this with something like a 24 to 70 or, you know, F4, and you've got a nice lightweight travel kit. So this, yeah. this is, this is um, just some basics. So it is in Z mount native. It's autofocus. Obviously it's an F uh, what is it? F 4.5 to 6.3. So a variable aperture uh, lens. Um, and it uses one of those stepping auto stepping motor autofocuses, which tend to be pretty fast and quiet. They're, they, uh, I've liked them in yeah, general. They're not the fastest motors, but they're fast enough mm-hmm. for most things. Um, so, and the price tag is, is comes in at $700 in, at least in the U S so that's not, not too bad either. Um, here's the thing that I was a little bit surprised by. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, uh, it doesn't have any image stabilization built in. Yeah. That surprised me as well. Um, so, I mean, I'm assuming it'll be pretty good optically, um, for that reason, but you're going to have to rely on your camera having, um, some kind of IBIS. Um, and generally, at least from what I'm hearing from others is that the IBIS system by itself isn't quite as good as you go longer than 200 millimeters. No, it you, you falls apart a little bit. Yeah, you have to move the sensor around more to compensate for a longer focal length lens. So mm-hmm. you just kind of run out of physical space. I think it'll be okay, 
you know, a long time ago when I first got the Nikon Z7, you know, back in what was it, 2018, I think, is when those came out. Yeah, I think so. I tried it with an older 300 f4 AFS Nikon lens. It was one that was very sharp um, optically, but had no stabilization. I know that lens, yes. Yeah, and it was a good lens. Mm -hmm. And you know what I could see at the time was, yeah, the the IBIS system helped. Um, but it wasn't quite as stable as what I later experienced with, you know, lenses that had built-in stabilization, lens stabilization. So where this one ends up, you know, I, I don't think it'll be quite as good as a lens with built-in stabilization. And there's a alternative that we'll talk about in a minute, but it'll probably be okay. Yeah. But I, that's I mean... my hesitancy on it. It, Nikon has an F mount 70 to 300 lens right. that, you know, is the AFP lens. I own one of those because it, it filled the void that we were yeah. talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's a hundred dollars less. If you already have a, an FTZ adapter, which most Nikon Z owners, I think probably do, then I would take a hard look at it because it's a good lens it's cheaper and it has image stabilization built right. in. And so I suspect it'll be better at the 300 millimeter lens. It's also a little faster because it tops out at five, six yeah. instead of uh, six, so, three. I mean, minor detail, but. So I guess my overall reaction to the Tamron is I'm, I'm very happy to see those coming out. Um, it looks like a nice lens. When I looked at the reviews of it in the Sony mount configuration, they were positive. It's, it's a good lens. I'm I'm just slightly disappointed in that one thing. Mm -hmm. So I, if someone asked me, I would say take a look at the Nikon F mount lens, at least at the moment, and and at least think about that. Yeah, because the Nikon um, one is uh, I'm just looking it up really quickly here. It's a hundred dollars less. It's about the same size, um, and it does have that vibration reduction built in so the downside of it really is that you're going to have to add uh an adapter um but that's not a huge thing and, and a lot of people who bought z cameras already have adapters lying around so mm -hmm. um yeah given that they were uh, packaged for free with mm -hmm. nikon z cameras for quite a while they they're, they're a bunch of them and you can certainly pick one up on the used market pretty so i would want to expensively I'd want to see some significant optical, uh, you know, quality differences before I could make a full recommendation. But just, I'm with you, you know, on 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 gut feel alone, having an image stabilized lens is better. And and also, I mean, think about what this does. It it really precludes you from using it on any of the DX uh, Z cameras uh, because those don't have IBIS either. Right. And yes, this would be a very long lens for that. But there's people who like that, you know um of course there's a native especially one. for wildlife photography right but i think there's a native one for the for the dx if i recall there is so you could get yeah that it was one that came in that z52 lens kit and it's a, right. it's a good little lens so that would not probably, quite as long um but yeah if you were but it does have stabilization right so if you were going to be using the the z50 or the zfc you would definitely want to go with the native uh, dx ones just because they all have the vr built in 
anyway but i'm with you it's i'm glad to see this starting to you know the 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 ice appears to be thawing a little bit in terms of the uh the the mount opening up and let's hope we see more because i think you hit something very important when it comes to third-party lenses in the past third-party lenses were just viewed as well it's a cheaper alternative to the manufacturer version but lately and you know, not all that. And for some time now, the third party lenses not only provide alternatives to a manufacturer's lens in the same focal length, but also unique focal length options, different zooms and things or different types of lenses that those manufacturers aren't even offering. So it gives you a way to get some different kind of glass on your camera. And that can right. be quite useful. That can be quite nice um, because there's just things that maybe your manufacturer's lineup just doesn't even have. Mm -hmm. so, so I think that's a good thing. Let's hopefully we'll see more of those and maybe even more manufacturers. I don't know what the deal is with uh, Tamron, but Nikon and Tamron have had a, a synergistic relationship for a long time, including designing lenses for each other. So, yeah. Um, so that's a cool thing. Now, there was also an announcement earlier this week on the new iPhone, uh, which um, we just want to mention because it's, you know, iPhone 14. Um, the big thing, and that one is newer cameras, better low light capability. And the biggest thing is that you can actually get a 48 megapixel image out of this camera if you want to out of a phone. If you want, if you shoot raw. Yes, there's a way to do it. Yeah. But what it's doing with that sensor is actually binning pixels for improved low light. So most of the time it's going to be a 12 megapixel image that's downsampled with binning pixels from a 48 megapixel sensor. And that's not a bad thing either. Um, the iPhones have some pretty amazing low light photography uh, capabilities, um, especially if you can get them into a little, you know, a little mini tripod or clamp or something like that to set them mm -hmm. down on. So just, you know, we were talking about Croatia. I actually used my iPhone 13 pro in that night mode where it does a long exposure. Mm -hmm. I maxed it out and we were, we were, we were one night overnight anchored rather than in a port. So it was dark and we could see the Milky way. And I actually got photos of the Milky way, believe this or not. I actually, I mean, they're not award-winning photos, but the fact that I could sit there with my phone, literally handheld, mm -hmm. <laughs> and photograph the Milky Way with an iPhone, that was my 13 Pro, was utterly crazy. Um, and it worked best with the standard lens, not the super wide or the, it, it worked with the, with the standard lens, probably because that same idea where it's binning pixels for low light capability or something like that. But the 14 is a step up. So why are we bringing this up? Um, because you might be in an upgrade cycle, right? For those of you who are using an older iPhone, especially one, uh, say iPhone 10 or earlier, and you're looking to upgrade. If you do serious photography, as we mentioned before, these pro model iPhones, 11, 12, uh, 13, and now the 14 pros let you shoot raw. And that's not a minor thing that's a big deal uh, especially if you use a product like lightroom to to work with your photos because uh, it'll read that embedded uh, apple profile and you get full dng editing capability from your phone um, that's pretty yeah. incredible and now with this new one you'll be able to extract that full 48 megapixel image if you want to 
using yeah. the, the raw setting. So that's something to think about. If you're looking to upgrade your phone and you're trying to decide, should I ante up for the pro version or the regular version, that pro version is going to shoot raw. So that's what we would recommend. Yeah. From and, a purely like photography you, standpoint. I mean, not- like you, I've got a 13 pro and, and I feel like that's good enough for me right now. I'll, I'll wait a cycle or two mm-hmm. before I, right. I upgrade it. But it's nice to see the improvements because it will be at least that good, if not better, um, in, right. in different ways when I choose to upgrade. Right. So when you said we're not upgrading to this phone, it has nothing to do with the phone being weak. It's just, gosh, that, no. It's it's more about I don't need to do another upgrade this quickly. I can give it a, a cycle and 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 save some money on other things. But if you are looking to upgrade your phone, this is the one to get the yeah. 14 Pro or even just a 13 Pro. I don't know if you can still order those, but um, you know you could probably get a deal on a 13 Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the that's the biggest thing about for a photography standpoint is that Pro model shoots raw and wow, it's cool. Yeah. All right. Last thing, um, I mentioned the the question that we'd received via our workshop stuff, and it had to do with the strength of neutral density filters, you know, solid ones, Um, not the ones that are graduated. And specifically for situations where you're doing like a landscape or architecture shot, and you want cloud movement in your photo. And so the, daytime long exposure. Is yeah. What we're talking about so, so we had written up an email that we had sent out to the group, just, you know, with some information and things for them to start thinking about. We're, we're doing other things, including, you know, a, a zoom call as a preparatory thing for the workshop and other uh, emails will go out, but we'd recommended a 15 stop neutral density filter if people wanted to do that. And the question we got back was, you know, wouldn't that be kind of uh, a niche thing and might not a a weaker one like a 10-stop one be better for both sky stuff and other things? And, and you know, the answer I sent back was, well, if you do the math, what you'll find out is that that 10-stop filter will really only get you into the couple second range. You know, even using your lowest ISO stopped down quite a bit you just can't get a very long exposure. And if you think about how quickly clouds move, even, you know, when they're moving fast, they're not moving that fast. So you're just not going to see a lot of movement in a couple seconds. You really need to get up longer, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, you know, at least. As long as two minutes. Exactly. And it's surprising how long it takes. So a 15 stop one really ends up being the sweet spot if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. If you're doing waterfall photography, you might get by with just a polarizer. Right. Um, that's That can be enough, especially if you're shooting an overcast light like you typically want to. Smoothing out oceans and stuff um, can work well at 10 or even 6 at times. But for the sky winds, I think the 15 mm-hmm. stop makes the most sense. And that was our answer. Yeah. Back. And. You know, a, a few years ago, I wrote a ebook on long exposure photography. Mm-hmm. It's still, still out there. It's still on my website, um, but it goes through those calculations, and it's kind of crazy how little a ten stop filter slows down your exposure. 
Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're in sort of sunny 16 daylight conditions, right. I think I, there's a table in my book somewhere with this you know calculation. But the nice thing about the 15 is that it seems like it's overkill, but it's actually not because you, you get more degrees of freedom. It allows you to open up your aperture a little bit more if you want to. You're not stuck at F22. Uh, you don't get the diffraction softening that you might get at f22. Uh, if you need to if you need to speed up the shutter speed a little bit if it's too long, well just bump your ISO up from from mm-hmm. you know base to like 200 and it's fine and you're gonna get great quality images. Whereas with a 10 stop filter, yeah, unless the conditions are kind of dim to begin with, you're talking, you know, four, five, six second exposures, and that's with stopping all the way down and sometimes even going into the low one ISO set, you know, the, the below spec uh, setting. So I think the 15 is really a great way to go. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully that helps cool. some others. Yeah. And so we'll have more, more of that. And, you know, if you've got a question about any of these topics, let us know, send us a note over on Facebook and get in contact with us. And uh, we'll uh, use your, hopefully we'll use your, your topic on the air in a future episode. Yep. I think that does it. Okay. Well, thanks again. And uh, we'll be back again next week with more, more fun. And we're looking forward to going to uh, Santa Fe in about a month. And uh, we have a space open. If you want to join us, shoot us a note and we can get you in that workshop um, for, uh, for the uh, end of October, October, I think 19th um, or so, or 20th, I think 20th, 20th, 20th through the 22nd. So anyway, uh, Feel free, and it would be a fun time to join us and get some perspective on all this different kind of photography uh, that you can do while traveling. So until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.